Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There certainly are some things that way, but uh, for example, like focus on yourself and build wealth and all these sorts of things, nothing about libertarianism says you can't do that. You can be a libertarian and still try to, you know, make money and uh, have a family and do all these sorts of things. Uh, one thing, for example, I think that if I was involved in politics, I would probably want to be involved in the GOP rather than the Libertarian Party. Uh, that's something I completely agree with the post-libertarians about, I think. It's funny that with the Mises Caucus, they all cite Ron Paul as being their inspiration for getting into politics, and Ron Paul ran as a Republican. Like, I think that's a pretty glaring thing. And what is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. No worries. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 158. Today, returning to the show, I have Drew Hancock with me. Drew, how you doing, dude? I am pretty good, Kyle. It's been about... I've checked. It's been about a year since the last time I talked to you, so it's uh, good to catch up. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like that, but, uh, you know, time kind of flies by. I've, I've been having a couple of uh, repeat guests on. It's kind of kind of weird to think. Like, I've been in front of this, like, camera thing here for over a year. Um, you've been in front of it for a little bit longer, and you're quite a few years mm -hmm. younger than me. So, uh, I don't know. You tell me, man. How's it feel? <laughs> Uh, you just froze for a minute, so I didn't hear you for about 30 seconds. Oh, my so. God. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that before we got on. Yeah, my bad. Sometimes <laughs> my internet can be a little bit fussy. Um, I said, you've been doing this uh, internet stuff and talking to this camera here for um a little bit longer than I have. Uh, so you tell me, what's it like to kind of be out there and about? Because I I still like don't know what to, th what to make of it. Yeah, so it's been two years, almost to the week or day, because I started back in December or November of 2020, um, where I started making YouTube videos back then. And so, I mean, you start to, it's weird going from being just someone who consumes content to being someone who is producing it. And you're like, oh, I grew up and I watch these people and I follow these people on Twitter and I just have my perspective. And now that I know what it's like on the other side of that, it's kind of different. And, you know, there are things that back when I was younger, I would get nervous about like just weird things. Like I would never want to like people's tweets too much because I thought like, oh, they'll think I'm weird if I like too many tweets at once. And now as someone who sends tweets, it's like, no, those are your favorite people. The, the, uh, 
people reply who guys. just love all your stuff. Yeah, the reply guys. <laughs> Maybe not the reply guys, but uh, I don't know. Sometimes they're fun. Sometimes they're not so much. But you, um, you have like good and re- well, not necessarily you in particular, but there's like good and bad reply guys. Sometimes you have the reply guys that you like. Oh, all right, you know, I don't mind shooting the shit with this person. Then you have other people who are just an absolute fucking contrarian to everything. Yeah, I have a pretty, uh, not as quick as it used to be, but I still have a pretty quick block finger with stuff like that (laughs) to where like, yeah, I mean, and this was especially true whenever like I was actively tweeting and like trying to grow and stuff now my account's locked for the time being, but whenever like, oh yeah, I'm getting a hundred followers a day and I have this reply guy who's just being annoying, there's no reason not to just get rid of it because one, they're annoying or they're rude or you know, there are some people you block just because like they're communists and, you know, you don't trust that they won't report you. Um, but it's like, yeah, I don't really care about their engagement or anything. Even if I wasn't growing, I wouldn't really care about that. Like, oh, I'm going to get one less like on some of my tweets now, you know, who cares? But especially if you're a growing account, it's like, yeah, I don't need people like this to follow me just to try to get more attention. It's not like a how you're a hot take artist and you're just sending out dumb stuff and you'll just take all the attention, <laughs> negative and positive. Like, yeah, but don't need to be that person. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't quite found myself quick on the block finger. Usually my rule is like, if after three tweets, you aren't toning down or kind of given some kind of ground in any like polite way, um, then I block, like if you're still being an asshole after that, then I block. So I'm, I'm pretty relaxed with it, but um, there there was a point, I think, when I uh, called out somebody for um, – they were saying something about Tom Woods, and I just kind of fired a joke at him, and that you know broke Twitter for about a day. Um, that was the only time where I was like, all right, <laughs> block, 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 block. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people are just in like insane. Like I'll say something, <laughs> and people will get so riled up. They'll reply like five separate replies to my tweet like, Drew, you're an idiot. Here's, here's mm-hmm. some sources that I'm going to cite and like – Okay, dude. Uh, I'm just a person on Twitter. You follow me. Just don't follow me. Yeah, part part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you today too is kind of shit like that. It seemed like you were kind of riding the uh, the same wave of. It, it seems like everybody's trying to like out kook one another. Where like everything, like I'm not vaccinated. I'll never be vaccinated. I had COVID. It's not a big deal to me. But like. It seems like people are always trying to up the ante with like the dumbest, unverifiable shit, crazy conspiracy theories. And like, we can talk about conspiracy theories. I'm all about it. They're legit, you know, conspiracy theories. But like, it just seems like people are getting like more and more retarded with it. Where like the thing I'm seeing now is that if you took a PCR test and you may have been vaccinated, I'm like, come on, do people like really believe this shit? And <laughs> could I be wrong? Maybe, but like, I don't know. It it seemed like you were kind of getting annoyed with all the stupidity that's been going on lately. Yeah, well, it's one of those things. So conspiracy theory is a term to where there's a percentage of people who hear, hear, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. And then they just think, oh, well, that's a conspiracy theory. I don't even have to think about it. It's just automatically wrong. And obviously people like that, you know, are stupid. Maybe not stupid. Well, maybe they are stupid. I don't know. Some are naive. uh, Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, there have been conspiracy theories that have been completely correct. I mean, look at the Wuhan lab leak and all that stuff. Like, that was a major conspiracy theory. And, oh, you can get banned off of Twitter for saying that. And now it's kind of commonly accepted that, yeah, it probably came from a lab. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, there are also people, and this was 
one thing that I didn't like about Alex Jones for a long time, because that's what I thought he kind of was. And with stuff like Sandy Hook, I think that that's evidence of it. So at the same time, you don't just want to say, never believe the official story. Everything is a conspiracy theory. The mainstream media is always lying to you. And then you get into these weird territories where, oh, the moon landing didn't happen. 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, Illuminati, uh, satanic death cults, and you know all that kind of stuff. And it's like you need to objectively evaluate this stuff. Like being a free thinker doesn't just mean like I'm going to go along with whatever the opposite is or whatever the mainstream narrative is. It's evaluating things and saying, hey, I think this is true. I think this isn't true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing I see kind of people floating around a lot right now is oh you're possessed by demons and i'm like <laughs> like if you're trying to convince people to come over to your side which i think most people should do if you want to increase liberty in our lives right then the idea is you're probably gonna need some more libertarians or to awaken people to these ideas right saying things are demonic or calling people demonic people just look at you like you're a retard. Like nobody cares that you think it's demonic. Like, I, I don't know what they're trying to do when they say that. Yeah. I mean, if it's just a figure of speech, like, oh yeah, that's demonic, but they don't mean like literal you're possessed by Satan and all this sort of stuff. Then, I mean, I get it that way, but yeah, there are some people to where if you're arguing with someone who does not believe in God, or maybe, you know, they're a Jew or they're a Muslim or they're a Hindu, I don't know. Um, appeals to christianity yeah probably aren't going to be very convincing you know whenever you say like oh the bible or uh jesus said or whatever you know probably not going to be convincing which if you don't want to convince non-christians and that's fine but you know just recognize that yeah and it seems like they're throwing that out there as if like it's an insult but you know to people like you kind of mentioned that aren't playing by the same playbook they're not going to care. Like I look at that stuff and I'm not a religious person at all. I'm just like, what, what, what's the goal here? You're just saying it's demonic. This is like saying taxation is theft. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I agree. That's bad. But like, okay, well, what, what's, what's our approach? Where, where are we going from here? Um, the one thing that you would kind of push back on and uh, I, I agree is the whole uh, pedophilia being mainstreamed. And I hate even like talking about this because this just sounds so fucking ridiculous. Every yeah. single time you see it come up, everybody has the same take. Everybody says it's disgusting. These are terrible parents. This is ridiculous. You should be doing this. But like people seem to have this narrative baked in their mind that it's a political issue. And it literally now has become the point where you see like Chenk Uger saying that everybody like disagrees with him as a pedophile. And then, you know, the big thing over the summer was okay, groomer. Everybody that disagrees with Republicans, the groomer. It's like we can't have any serious conversations or like move in any kind of direction if just everybody that disagrees with you is a pedophile. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. So I think it was Jesse Kelly who tweeted something like, yeah. conservatives are going to be shocked when 10 years from now pedophilia is mainstream. And my take on that was, pedophilia is never going to be mainstream. And uh, I think what you just said is a great example of that. So also with leftists, so obviously, you know, right-wingers who are afraid of that would say that, oh, this is going to come from the left. Uh, if you're a libertarian and you have ever argued with a leftist, you have probably been called like, oh, well, you're just a libertarian because you want to abolish age of consent laws because you're a pedophile. You know, like, it's not like pedophilia is becoming normalized by lefties. Like, sure, there are some people who specifically 
think that, oh, minor attracted persons and all this stuff. For the most part, people still think that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And with the minor attracted person stuff, at least from what I've seen, it hasn't been people justifying like, oh, I think there's nothing wrong with pedophilia. It's more so just like there are people who are naturally have these weird attachments to where they never grow up mentally and they stay attracted to younger people. Why is that? Uh, and it's more just trying to understand where that comes from. And I think most people who would defend a minor attracted person would say that unless they act on it, you know, they don't deserve to be like put into a wood chip or anything like that. I have never seen anyone actually say who isn't an actual pedophile of which they're, you know, 0.01% of the population say that, oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with a 30 year old being with a 10 year old. I have never seen that. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some fucked up place on the internet you can find that, but that's kind of the point. It's not mainstream and never will be. The average person thinks it's fucking disgusting because it is. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to fear monger whenever you're a political person. You got to tell people, oh, the end of the world's coming. Satan has taken over, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you even push back on this, and I'm sure, you know, you know much better than me, that people just lose their minds when you say, hey, pedophilia is not going to be mainstream. Like, oh, look around, look everywhere. They're trying to do this. And I'm like, you guys cannot be serious. Like, I, I the stuff that is put out there that looks bad, I don't think it's organic. I do think it's put there specifically to push people's buttons. Not as to whether or not yeah. that's some grand conspiracy for a false flag, maybe. I, I could believe it, but like... I think it's legitimately put there just to drive people insane and people are looking at for outrage brokers essentially. And I think Tim pool kind of does this where he throws this stuff out there, these inflammatory headlines just to get people to click and then get everybody spurging out. And then, you know, it just creates hysteria for people to, you know, Hey, buy my products, vote for this person. And it's so fucking tired. Yeah. We've been weeks away from a civil war for like years now, according to Tim pool. (laughs) do a shot every time you hear civil war <laughs> <laughs> yeah but with the the ones that i think of whenever people reference like oh pedophilia they're trying to mainstream it i think of cuties the netflix movie uh that's the first one that comes to mind which that uh i never watched it so you know i saw like a couple of scenes online that people posted that are like wow look at how messed up this is i never watched the full movie yeah. uh my understanding of that was that it was made by i think a french filmmaker was trying to make a bold statement about like child sexualization and uh to do that they put out like this thing that's supposed to be shocking and it's supposed to be get people riled up because this isn't normal but um even putting all that aside so you have anything that could be construed and you know i think probably legitimately so looking at like the marketing of all the girls in the poster and stuff you know i think they definitely probably took it too far mm-hmm. uh but you just look at the reaction to that The reaction was entirely negative. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. 
It's uh, 27 grams of protein, 180 calories. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important, so make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! And it's not like, uh, and I look at Balenciaga, the ad that they did, uh, I agree with Malice that like I don't think whoever, you know, whoever the photographer, whoever it was may have known exactly what they were doing, but whoever the corporate people were who approved it probably didn't understand it and just thought like, oh yeah, this is kind of edgy. This will get attention. Um, but I mean, even ignoring that, okay, so mainstream places are putting out stuff like this. Just look at the reaction. Everyone thought this was fucked up. And if you're saying this is going to be mainstream, that means that the reactions are not going to be, hey, this is fucked up. Yeah, and it seems like people are playing this along partisan lines, which just drives me nuts because the one thing that I've noticed, and this could be because I wasn't on Twitter until like last year, but there is this group of people who constantly love to circle jerk about how right wing they are. You see right wing in their bio and, you know, every single person that disagrees with them is a leftist. Every person that isn't fully focused on being anti-left is a leftist. Like it just, and this these people kind of cluster in the post-libertarian group. And it's funny because they'll bitch at libertarians for period for purity testing, but then everybody who doesn't completely agree with them is a leftist. So it's like you you just change your ideology, but the way that you look at people is still the same. So it's yeah, yeah it's it's very, very tired. Well, yeah, it's tribalism. It's my team versus your team. It's like, oh, all the good people agree with me and all the bad people, they're over there. It's like the same people who say, uh, like, oh, Democrats are all stupid and, you know, we're the enlightened ones or whatever. I don't know if people actually say that. I'm just thinking of an example. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, smart people exist in every group. I mean, leftists can have good points. Right-wingers can have good points. Um, I'm not always going to – people talk about, oh, you're running interference for the regime or you're running interference for the state. Anytime you agree with whatever the progressives agree with. So, for example, like I think heroin and marijuana and cocaine should all be legal. You could very well say like, oh, well, you're running interference for progressives because, you know, that's what they want too. It's like, I believe what I believe. If progressives agree with me, whatever. If right-wingers agree with me, whatever. Whoever agrees with me doesn't play into what I believe or what I don't believe. But you have these people who can't escape tribalism. They think, oh, well, you have to be anti this. You have to be, you know, pro us. Um, you know, it's kind of like sports teams. You know, Chiefs are good. Bengals are bad. Although it did not look that way a few days ago. <laughs> well, the, the sports realm is a little bit beyond beyond <laughs> my situation, unfortunately. And, and, you know, I'm in like one of the most diehard sports ball places in the entire world. I mean, you see fucking Steelers stuff everywhere, but, you know, I'm just – out to launch on that but yeah no no i think you're uh totally right that people just are tribalistic and i think people want to think that they're not that way and they look at things objectively but they really don't they're going in with a complete and total bias and this is kind of my problem with as we kind of talked about a little bit earlier tim pool is that um he puts out news and says that he's like this non-biased contributor but it's like come on man Steve Bannon, Jack Posobiec's on there every other week. And the only time you give people pushback is when there's libertarians on. You never have on leftists. And I'm not saying you have to, but at some point, you eventually have to say, I am biased towards the right. And that's okay. 
but you know, this is my viewpoint on things. You no longer get to claim you're a disaffected liberal because you don't want to piss off absolutely everybody. You want to be able to have your cake and eat it too. And unfortunately, when it comes to political stuff, I don't think you can play it out that way. Yeah, that's basically like calling yourself a post-libertarian, which basically just means I'm not a libertarian, but I still want to have libertarian friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's funny how uh, some will say you should engage with uh, right-wingers and people who you know don't completely align with you, but then for some reason they always come back to attack libertarians. Yeah, I don't know. It's just people like, uh, I don't know, the whole post-libertarian, it feels like that's kind of died out. Maybe it's just because I don't see what those people say anymore, but yeah, I haven't even thought about them for months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they had a good point, some good points, but then like sometimes the conclusions, I'm like, all right, well, let's let's kind of walk this through the whole way. It, it's like you almost fall into the same trap that a lot of left wingers kind of fall into where like if you want to grow the state to smash your enemies, OK, well, when does that stop? Because there's going to have to be a time where you have to realize, OK, well, now there's the potential for this to go wrong. And I think that's usually what people don't account for whenever they're considering using the government to reward their friends and punish their enemies is that, hey, what happens if this goes south? Yeah, the thing with the post-libertarians is that there was a lot of stuff lumped in that a lot of it I agree with and a lot of it I think most libertarians agree with. But for whatever reason, they would act like, oh, what we're saying here is mutually exclusive with libertarianism there certainly are some things that way but uh for example like focus on yourself and build wealth and all these sorts of things nothing about libertarianism says you can't do that you can be a libertarian and still try to you know make money and uh have a family and do all these sorts of things uh one thing for example i think that if i was involved in politics i would probably want to be involved in the gop rather than the libertarian party uh, that's something I completely agree with the post-libertarians about. I think it's funny that with the Mises caucus, they all cite Ron Paul as being their inspiration for getting into politics. And Ron Paul ran as a Republican. Like I think that's a pretty glaring thing. And uh, this is a complete sidetrack, but I think that the Libertarian Party, the best thing the Libertarian Party could do for liberty is to stop existing. That's my take on the Libertarian Party. Because uh, it either is bad... And it makes libertarians look bad, or it's good, and it's still not effective as uh, being in the GOP. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, but then, yeah, there are other things like, oh, we need to use state power to stop the progressives and all this sort of thing, which even among that, they conflate different things. Like me, I'm not against libertarians running for government, taking office, and uh, doing things to make wherever – they i'm trying to wherever they reside over better like if someone wants to i'm going to run for the governor of missouri and we're going to you know do all this crazy stuff that's fine where the issue came in was some of their specific policy proposals um which yeah which like i can't even think of any because they would always talk about broadly like we need to wield state power i can't even think of specific examples right now uh you know, there was one guy one time who called me, I think a cup or whatever, because I said that because he was arguing that the state should define marriage as between a man and a woman. My point was the libertarian answer, which is that the state shouldn't be defining marriage at all. Right. Um, you know, just stuff like that, where it's like, okay, yeah, that specific thing I agree with. I don't agree. I don't 
or that specific thing I disagree with. I don't disagree with just, oh, libertarians can't run for government or run for office at all. Um, but, you know, all this kind of stuff is conflated. Yeah, I feel like some of the conclusions that have kind of, like I said earlier, just some of the conclusions that came out from there were a little ridiculous. And I am seeing a rise of people. Sorry, my pit bull reminded me. Um, so a lot of people really hate pit bulls. And it's kind of funny when you start going down this rabbit hole of uh, like I, I, race realism and kind of looking at the Jews and all the stuff that you've heard <laughs> Kanye talking about. And look, I'm not going to lie. It's fucking hysterical it is yeah. some of the funniest shit i've seen in a long time but like you'll see people throw this stuff out and they'll say oh well you know 11 percent of the population commits 52 percent of the crime or whatever the hell it is it's like okay sure but what's your solution because <laughs> like yeah you can point these things out or like i had somebody in my dm saying well what would you make of the solution of you know compromising saying we neuter all pit bulls i'm like like, uh, well, let's just, let's neuter all black people. Like, what? <laughs> like, nobody would say that. Like, th that's literally what you're pretty much saying if you're going to make these kind of arguments. You're making the gun control argument, too. So I just, like, when you throw these things out there, like I said, it's fine, but you have to understand that, hey, there's still individuals within groups. And yes, there may be certain behaviors and attributes that may cluster in certain groups more than others, but that doesn't define the whole group so like i don't know just this whole episode with kanye where he's saying the jews the jews the jews it's like come on man yeah well i mean that kind of ties into the race and iq stuff like maybe the jews are in charge of so much just because they have the highest average iq out of anyone right um but yeah i mean with all that kind of you know race realism and all this sort of stuff yeah like it's true that okay you know Jews and Asians, they have higher IQs, uh, blacks and Mexican, or not Mexican, blacks and Latinos or Hispanics, they have lower average IQs. Uh, yeah, it's true. And I don't think that that should be like, you know, oh, we can't ever talk about that. Uh, you know, it's a fact and facts are facts. You can have your own, you can say like, oh, well, IQ doesn't matter. Like IQ doesn't actually measure anything important. Uh, you could say that. Um but I mean, ultimately, yeah, you have people, they do things like that and they say, oh, you know, we need white nationalist ethnostate, white country should stay white, <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Or you could just take stuff like that and say, well, this completely smashes the egalitarian narrative. So these progressives and these egalitarians want you to believe that, oh, well, you know, there aren't enough minority executives and there aren't enough minority this, minority that. And, you know, why are they all white people? Why are they all Asians? And statistics, and they chalk it up to racism. And it's like, well, statistics like this show that maybe that's not actually the case. Maybe it's just because of IQ differences. But if your whole means of getting political power is based off of like, oh, white people are evil and racism and systemic racism and all this sort of stuff, you don't like statistics like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, race and IQ statistics or whatever they are, they end up getting, you know, smushed, you know, can't ever talk about them, you know, don't don't look over there, which just draws people even more to them. It's just like making cigarettes illegal just makes teenagers want to smoke them even more. Um, and then you have people who just go completely off the deep end. But yeah. Yeah. And like I used to listen to a lot of Stefan Molyneux and he brought up a lot of the race and IQ stuff. And I think yeah. it's a very, very valid conversation from what I understand, even Jordan Peterson 
when he was doing like a lot of his work and whatever he does, he was saying that basically if you have to, or if you're going to throw away IQ, then you have to throw out a lot of the other sciences. Cause the same people who do like designed IQ designed all these other sciences. So, uh, um, and like I said earlier, it's not like all these people in this group are just deficient because they're born this way. No, you're going to have, you know, really smart individuals in that group and you have really stupid individuals in this group. It's yeah. not the race that defines them, but you know, it, we should be able to have this conversation so we can figure out, well, is it like nature nurture or, you know, what's really going on here? Let's get to the bottom of it rather than just saying you can't talk about it because then you're going to have people like Kanye who come out and say it's the Jews for everything rather than just saying, okay, well, there are smarter people who may happen to be Jewish that are in these positions. Instead, they're just going to say it's a conspiracy against Kanye to shut him up. Yeah. And I mean, with stats like that, you know, you don't you can talk about how, hey, the government's kind of responsible for this massive disparity. Um, so I don't know what the statistics would have been 100 years ago. But welfare specifically has always primarily been poor whites and blacks. And blacks to this point, you know, they end up getting trapped by it. And over generations, what that does is that does lower the average IQ for populations who are hooked onto welfare because what welfare incentivizes is, oh, hey, I'm going to have a bunch of kids out of wedlock. People who do that are lower IQ. So you have these lower IQ people who are just having tons of kids, which, yeah, that's going to lower the average IQ of that population. So a lot of it is a government problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And which, uh, oh, good, sorry. Now, I was just going to say, which, you know, I don't know, you know, 100 years ago, everyone's equal, probably not. But I would say that, you know, without a doubt, welfare would have had to have exacerbated whatever differences already existed. Yeah, well, that's kind of something that, um, you know, a very a, a point that right wingers and libertarians alike both kind of bring up is the uh, welfare system and its overall drag on society. And that's not to say that there wouldn't be voluntary safety nets for people or charities churches or stuff that would kind of make up the difference but it wouldn't be an enabling thing where you would enable generational poverty to kind of continue to be the norm for some certain families um so uh, we've kind of hit on a little bit but what was your impression whenever uh kanye kind of came out saying <laughs> the stuff he did because like i had been watching him for years and i remember 10 years ago watching him just say ridiculous shit and i'm like oh he's crazy he, he like he's there's literally something wrong with him and now something's come out and I, I have a friend who's saying like he's like an mk ultra asset and i'm like okay no. but i see some people say oh he's he's a tool to divide the right and to make christians look bad <laughs> like and it kind of gave me this thought of like everybody has this victim complex where they're looking for the grand conspiracy against them versus where they just can't realize that like nobody really cares about them like nobody really cares about me other than like my direct family my wife my dogs and the people i talk to but it, it, there's like nobody's going to go out of their way to conspire against me to bring me down <laughs> yeah um so yeah i sent a tweet saying something like that that yeah kanye has always been crazy this isn't anything new uh and dave smith and myself and i'm sure millions of other people made the gay fish joke already but if you go back to that south park episode are you familiar with the south park episode okay so i saw dave yeah. say that but i had no idea what it meant okay so it's based off of a south park episode to where uh there's a joke and basically the whole like plot line of the episode is there's this joke that everyone thinks is hilarious and the only person who does not get it is kanye west and he gets really pissed off and the punchline of the joke is you're a gay fish. Mm 
And everyone gets like, oh, haha, that's funny. Kanye's like, what, you're calling me a gay fish? And, you know, the reason why they put Kanye in that position is because they knew back then in like 2007 or 2008 that, yeah, Kanye is the type of person to get pissed off. And from what I remember, yeah, Kanye after that episode was like pissed off at South Park because of that. <laughs> and then, yeah, he comes up later and he's talking about, you know, I like Hitler and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's that far out of left field. One of the things that people don't really acknowledge or talk about is that, you know, the black population is very socially conservative and like they agree with the right uh, on a lot of things. One of the best SNL skits of the 21st century, SNL now is terrible, has been forever. But uh, one of the best skits they've done was Black Jeopardy featuring Tom Hanks, which is where like it's Black Jeopardy. All the questions are, you know, about black culture and stuff. And the host is Alex Black. And then there's two black contestants. And then the joke is the third contestant is Tom Hanks, who's playing a Trump supporter. And uh, they start talking about like, oh, fingerprint scanners, don't put your fingerprint on your phone. That's how they get you and like all this sort of stuff. And oh, the elections are rigged. And it's like, yeah, they totally agree. And uh, the thing is, a lot of like, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and a lot of like, Pete Buttigieg could never be the Democratic nominee because he would not get the black vote because he's gay. And like, there's a lot of stuff like that. I don't know for like this isn't particularly something that I know a lot of, but like I wouldn't be surprised if to find out that anti-Semitism is fairly prevalent among the black community. Oh, so I well, you know what? I I remember there was a big fuss about Hotep Jesus supposedly being an <laughs> anti-Semite. And look, like I've listened to him a little bit. I don't know. Is he I, I feel like people throw that word around so much right now. And and this is it's sad because when you have someone like Kanye, who's kind of like a hammer in search of a nail and his nail is the Jews right now. Um, it, it does take away from the quality conversation that could be had about what the Israeli government does and how we're sending tons of money over there and how we're funding, you know, them bulldozing homes and all the bad shit that's going on over there. Um, now you just get labeled an anti-Semite rather than saying, Hey, um, we're criticizing this government that our government's funding now, you know, that gets conflated with being, you know, Kanye West. Yeah, like, I don't think Kanye West is stupid by any means, but I think looking for a nuanced point about Israel or Zionism or anything, I think that's expecting too much from him. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, yeah, I do think he's just crazy and he probably goes down rabbit holes. Mm. Uh, You know, that's been his MO for his entire career that, you know, he's a narcissist and then he's kind of out there and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, yeah. And with this whole thing, Kanye West, I don't think should have been suspended from Twitter. I think that was BS. I think Kanye West should have every right to say whatever he wants everywhere. And I'm just going to clarify that because there's a lot of people who are like, oh, well, you think what Kanye West was stupid. I do. Uh, so you can't say that you need to, you're siding with the regime. Uh, I think what he said was dumb and I think he's a crazy person. I don't think he should be censored, but yeah, I'm not going to sit here and defend saying I like Nazis just cause, Oh, the regime is against him too. Like, yeah. Okay. I agree with the regime on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of funny. Um, it goes to another point that I want to talk about too, is uh, when it comes to like Alex Jones and Kanye West with them being deplatformed and like the whole lawsuit against Alex Jones, um, 
I, I've heard people say that supposedly that was a false flag where um, these parents were moved there for a specific reason. That school didn't exist prior. And I, I've, I've never looked into it, but like there should have been something done. Now, I don't know what, I don't think it's finding him trillions of dollars, yeah. but like when you go out of your way to repeat a claim and say that these parents are the parents, they're, they're you know, their children just got massacred and you're constantly saying that they're, you know, crisis actors and they're part of a big false flag or whatever. At a certain point, if you know it's a lie, then, okay, well, something should kind of happen to you. Now, like I said, I don't know what, but there should be some kind of repercussions when you constantly harass people and say that they're crisis actors. So do I think he should have been to platform? No. Should he got hit with some fines or something? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to argue against it, but like the trillion dollar fines. Okay. Well now we're out, out of the realm of reasonable discourse and even like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, whatever the initial charge was, that's still ridiculous. But like just the way that he was acting at a certain point, you got to say, all right, well, you're out of the realm of acceptable discourse. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things to where, I mean, I remember six years ago, I remember whenever Alex Jones was on Joe Rogan, I think that was a little bit you know, after, uh, I don't know if that was before or after he got deplatformed from everywhere, may have been right before, but Alex Jones was, you know, I was still a high school kid. Alex Jones was hilarious. Everyone thought he's funny. And, you know, we would quote Alex Jones to each other. And I'm not like, oh, I have my whole friend group of crazy libertarian or right wingers. It's just, no, we'd be sitting at the lunch table and we'd say like, I'm a kind of retarded, you know, yeah. and just do like Alex Jones lines to each other. Um, and then one of the weird things that, that has happened is in the past couple years, I mean, everyone just gets so sensitive and you see all these lefties online saying like, oh, Alex Jones is a Nazi. No, he isn't. Uh, Alex Jones, he's a terrible human being. And oh, he, you know, advocates all sorts of horrible stuff. He really doesn't. Like Alex Jones, as far as what he actually believes politically, I think is not too far off of just like a Justin Amash libertarian. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement pretty much in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, even coconut, and uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys, thanks. But then, yeah, then you throw in the extra layer of like Sandy Hook and the, I don't, and fish people and, you know, all that sort of stuff on top of it. But uh, what he actually advocates for in terms of politics, I mean, he said it to Stefan Molyneux in one of their episodes together. He said, I just want to return to, re to the Republic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people paint him as like this crazy wild guy. And they, they did the same thing to Trump. And uh, 
Dave Smith brought up this point. And I thought it was a good point is that uh, when Trump had dinner with Kanye, Nick Fuentes and Milo, they kind of threw everything at him already. They've already called him a Nazi for the last five, six years. So what are you going to call him when he actually has dinner with a literal white supremacist and Kanye and Milo? Like <laughs> you, you can't call him a Nazi any harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that whole thing, I saw Trump's letter where he said like, oh, I thought I was meeting with Daisy Fuentes. And was like, that real? Oh, I, I'd have no idea, mm-hmm. but I saw that. So I'm just going to say that, yes, it's totally real without verifying that it is real. <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, at this point, everyone who doesn't like Trump doesn't like Trump. Everyone who likes Trump likes Trump. Whether or not he's called a Nazi or whatever isn't going to change anyone's mind. Yeah. I think everyone has their opinion on Trump at this point. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So one other thing with the uh, kind of right that's coming up now. I've been calling for like a return to the satanic panic. I really think that's going to happen. I feel like the writing's all over the walls. And I I feel like if in 2024, it's Ron DeSantis versus Biden, if he makes it there. Um, I I think a lot of the, you know, DeSantis presidency is going to be like George Bush in the 2000s where, you know, it's going to be like a return to the 90s and early 2000s about satanic panic and video games, you know, make you violent and heavy metal music's bad for you. What do you think? No, yeah, like, listen, it's a pendulum. So right now I would say Republicans are absolutely preferable to Democrats. 20 years ago, no, Democrats would have been preferable. The Republicans, they were running the government after 9-11. They were, you know, launching the Iraq war, uh, the invasion of Afghanistan, the war on terror. Um, and then, yeah, I think of like Opie and Anthony, the greatest radio show ever, uh, they were taken off the air. They were censored in 2002. They were taken off the air because of right wingers who were offended by their show. Hmm. Um, and they were kicked off a regular radio and they had to wait a year and a half and come back to XM where they could say whatever they wanted. Um, but yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, it was right wingers doing the censoring. You would ask, you would see all these comedians who were edgy comedians. They were all left wing and you still see the remnants of that, like David Cross, isn't it you know still a left winger 20 years ago yeah that was kicking against the system now not so much because now it's the left wingers who are in charge and it's the right wingers who are more in favor of free speech and all these sorts of things because the progressives are dominating the culture now um but yeah i think it's entirely plausible that at a certain point it shifts back the other way i mean i live here in missouri and uh so obviously i'm a bit biased in terms of where i grew up and the people who i grew up around but for example, whenever I was in high school, yeah, we had a transgendered kid and, uh, you know, we all thought that was kind of weird. And if you told us like, oh, well, they're a girl. No, they're not. And, you know, that's just kind of the environment where I grew up in, where we would laugh in school at woke stuff that was presented to us. And obviously there were, you know, kids who were raised differently and didn't. Like I remember there were people in school who would get offended whenever my friends and I would say the word retard. Uh, you know, people like that exist, but I think it's very plausible that Zoomers actually grow up to be more right-wing than progressive. Um, and I mean, you look at people talk about kids rebelling. One of the byproducts of, you know, all this lefty stuff being taught in public schools, we'll find out, I guess, in 20 years, maybe kids say like, nah, that's stupid. I'm going to not do what my parents and teachers are telling me. And uh, maybe they just go the complete other direction. They say, no, I kind of want to not be woke. Yeah, um, and that sounds all fine and great right now, and I think it probably would be preferable to right now, but 
Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of people aren't considering how far this is going to go because like when you start fucking with people's kids, which there's, I think there is a degree of that actually probably a large degree of it, but not like to the degree where they're literally trying to put drag Queens into every single elementary school. Like, yeah, it's, it's happened, but like, I don't like we kind of alluded to earlier. I don't think that's the norm. And you know, if, this was the norm you would see parents at school boards you, you would literally yeah. see terrorists coming out pretty much well, i mean it's the same thing as everything it's based off of where you live like okay could i conceive of a drag queen story hour hour happening in san francisco yes i can could i conceive of that happening where i live in missouri no i can't i don't think that's ever going to happen uh, same with the majority of red states across the country. Like, no, I don't think that would ever happen. Uh, and people complain about this stuff and they say like, oh, well, where I live, you know, there's all this woke stuff. And it's like, if it's that big of a problem, you have the ability to move. Okay. And it's like, you know, the same thing the free state talks about, which you don't have to move. Like, it's just a matter of preferences. Like me living in Missouri as opposed to New Hampshire uh, even though New Hampshire is probably a more libertarian state than Missouri, like there's other factors that go into me wanting to live in Missouri rather than moving across the country. But uh, if it is such a big problem that like, oh, woke stuff is everywhere and they're going to try to indoctrinate my children and oh, there's uh, drag queens every street corner, like move. You have that ability to, especially if you live in the Northeast, uh, move to New Hampshire. I mean, go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, one thing that you hit on earlier that I wanted to uh, kind of get back to um it seemed like your thoughts had changed on the Libertarian Party versus the, uh, you know, the Republican Party. Because if I remember correctly, when you first kind of stepped into the whole Internet scene, you were a little bit more pro-party politics amongst the Libertarian Party. Or am I mistaken? I was in the Mises Caucus. Okay. So what was that shift kind of like for you? Because I'm kind of having a similar change of heart, although... I never quite find my footing in this respect. I, I'm always open to all ideas. I've just become more disaffected with the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania recently. Yeah, well, that one is like uniquely weird and messed up, right? Like that one is an abnormal one. Uh, well, I mean, we had a bunch of people elected a couple of years ago and it looked really promising. And then I don't want to go into like the the details, but like the two candidates that we ran for Senate and uh, for governor, like the one who didn't run a campaign pretty much. And then the other guy, he was like, he pretty much had the same foreign policy points as Candace Owens. And like, look, if you're running as a libertarian, I expect you to be perfect on everything. Right. Yeah. And I know it's a high bar to set, but like if you're running under the libertarian party, you better be like solid on foreign policy, monetary policy and everything. But he wasn't. So I just, I didn't vote. Yeah. So a couple things that I just thought about, you know, which led me to think where I am now. So I do agree whenever Justin Amash and these people say that the point of political parties is to win elections. Um, and I don't think that the libertarian party outside of like specific local races um, you know, you have seen libertarians get elected as like mayor and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for the most part, like anything important, anything at the state level, anything federally, no, a libertarian is never going to get elected. Uh, they're never going to win elections. But then the counter to that is, well, you know, we're the Mises caucus. We don't necessarily want to win elections. We want to use the libertarian party as a vehicle for libertarian messaging. Um, and they always cite the Ron Paul campaign, which I was a Ron Paul. So I started listening to Ron Paul whenever I was like 12. That's how I became a libertarian. I love Ron Paul. 
Ron Paul ran as a Republican and he had a bigger stage running as a Republican than any libertarian will ever have running as a libertarian. Um, so I think even just in terms of messaging, being a powerful Republican, I think has can has more of a ceiling for impact than being a powerful libertarian. Everyone sees the libertarian party as a joke. Um, secondly, if your concern is strong messaging, I don't think you need the Libertarian Party to do messaging and have a lot of resonance. So I think about Dave Smith. Dave Smith is going to run for president here in a couple of years in 2024, uh, and he's going to be the face of the Libertarian Party. No, we're going to spread liberty. He doesn't need to do that. He already has a massive platform. He already goes on Joe Rogan. He already goes on Michael Malice and uh, Tucker Carlson and all of these places. He doesn't need the Libertarian Party to do that. The Libertarian Party needs him more than he needs a Libertarian Party. Uh, so I just don't see what the value is in all this organizing. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say that. I do see value in organizing and everyone you know, getting together. I don't see why that needs to be in the Libertarian Party as opposed to some other organization. Like the Mises Caucus, I think, could be completely separate from the Libertarian Party and just be its own thing. Which is also why I think that the Libertarian Party, the best thing it could do is not exist. Because when it's bad, it's bad. And it makes Libertarians look bad. Whenever it's good, there's all of this work and energy going into it. And I don't think it necessarily even pays off. Like, I think it's a sunk cost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I, I agree. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I agree. And uh, it, it's sad because there are a lot of good people there. And I think it is a good cause what they're trying to go for but like what's kind of the end game i know it's bold messaging and winning local races and trying to nullify stuff at the local level but like how does it really scale beyond what it is now because we kind of have that now but like where's the ceiling i it just seems very ambiguous as to what the actual long-term goal is. Like, how do you define it? And when do you know you're going, when do you know you've achieved it? Yeah. And I mean, one of the things with the libertarian, with the Mises caucus, because of some of their approaches and how they, you know, approach messaging and things like that, they lost a lot of donors whenever they took over. Like there was a spike immediately after because you had people like, oh, the Mises caucus isn't, they lost a lot of their paying donors and a lot of people left the libertarian party because of them uh, a lot of people who had been there forever and you know probably were the people who weren't doing anything uh but you know love their social club but i mean yeah there's a lot of this time and effort just going into it a lot of money going into it i just don't get it and listen i love the mises caucus people those are still my people i mean like as far as people who i agree with on the most stuff it's mises caucus people uh, but yeah, so I mean, good for them if they want to keep doing it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, you Loberts are just wasting your time. Uh, that's just my take on it. I don't want to be involved in it. And that's my reasoning. Yeah, no, I think it's a totally fair conclusion. Um, so we've been shooting the shit for about an hour now. I want to get your take on one more thing and then we'll probably rock and roll out of here. Um, you've been going to the gym a little bit. I think you said you lost about 20 pounds, right? So I started around 215, the lowest I've been, which, you know, it fluctuates a little bit because of like water weight and stuff the lowest i've been was 192.7 yeah nice um i was at 1.250 and you're six three right yeah yeah I, I every single time i see you like in a picture or something like that i always have this image of you being super short 
Everyone but, says that. I don't know why. It, I guess it's because I'm like more soft spoken. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't. I couldn't tell you exactly what it is. But uh, I'm about probably about close to six foot, and my heaviest was 250 pounds. And I would bounce from like 250. I'd drop down to 220. I'd go back up and up and down, up and down, up and down. And then eventually, I got all the way down to like 180. And now I'm right around 200 pounds but that's of course you know my wife and i just got married last month and we kind of enjoyed ourselves yeah. on vacation <laughs> but um you know it how has that uh kind of been for you and what's your uh exercise program kind of looking like yeah so for the time being so it started i was just cutting calories like i want to be more lean mm -hmm. uh and then with that i started to do this three-day program that i found online where it's full body three days a week go to the gym uh and then on top of that i would just walk 10,000 steps a day. So just doing that, just trying to lose weight and just trying to get more lean. Cause I saw a video of myself. My dad actually this past week sent me a video of myself over the summer in like July. Uh, and oh boy, I did not realize just how freaking fat I had gotten. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, thankfully I'm a lot skinnier than that now, but, uh, yeah, at first I was just trying to lose weight. Then I started going to the gym. Um, still just tracking calories. I'm trying to eat a lot of protein and, you know, still being at a caloric deficit. So I guess I'm technically cutting because uh, I am more focused for the time being on just being lean than building muscle. But I mean, I still have seen like my lifts increase and stuff. And now I go four days a week. So I go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So I'll be going there here in a bit. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's uh once you kind of get on the kick, it's hard to kick it right now. I'm kind of going through a little bit of a slump, which is really strange for me because I never go through slumps, but, uh, I've been going four days a week now for a couple months. I was doing six days a week and then, um, you know, kind of closer up to the wedding, I needed a little bit more time. So, um, I wrote it back to four days a week, but yeah, man, it, it's kind of crazy to see yourself and see like, Holy shit. I am fat. <laughs> it, it was real hard for me because like, I always thought I was in shape just cause I worked out cause I worked out when I was 250 pounds. I'm like, oh, I'm healthy. And then like, I'd see pictures, I see videos. I'm like, Holy fuck. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I remember being in, uh, whenever I got my 18 year old driver's license, I was 180. Mm -hmm. Uh, here, you know, not too long ago, I got my 21 year old driver's license and they're like, do you still weigh 180? No, I'm about 215. And it's like, God damn, I mm -hmm. put on some pounds. And, uh, yeah, it is weird to be like, oh, I'm under 200 pounds for the first time since I was like 20 years old. That's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably keep cutting and trying to lose weight until I get around to like 180. Then I'll start bulking and trying to get, you know, jacked, kind of get swole, but you know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely a process. And I've noticed that um, as I get older, I'm definitely grateful that I shut off all the pounds that I once had because when I was 23 was when I was 250. And then ever since then, I've been able to maintain usually anywhere from like 180 to like 200 pounds. It's normally like right around the range that I'll stay in throughout the year. Um, what's your, uh, what's your diet look like now? Are you um, using a lot of protein powders? Are you kind of like low carb? I know that's a popular thing and I kind of cringe at it because I did carnivore. Um, you know, what's your diet look like? Uh, so I do take whey protein powder. That's like the only thing. Uh, otherwise it's just me trying to eat less than whatever the uh, amount I'm supposed to eat is, which like I've, from what I've read online, that the more like lean you get, the more you have to be concerned about 
your exact diet and your macros and all that sort of stuff. And once you start bulking, you have to kind of be more conscious of that. Um, so, I mean, yeah, eventually I'll probably have to take more that side of it more serious, but for the time being, I'm just trying to eat less and that's basically it. Eat less, get more protein. That's it. <laughs> nice. Beautifully simple. Yeah. Usually the tips I try to give people, um, whenever they're trying to lose weight is just try to walk a little bit more, um, eat a little bit more protein and, uh, try to get to the gym at least like two to three days a week. So like I got my wife on a program right now where she'll pretty much do full body two days a week. And then, um, whenever she feels like she could scale that up, then, okay, we'll start working on something else. Um, but yeah, man, that's all good stuff. Um, I got a couple last questions for you and, uh, we'll get on out of here. Um, if you don't got any other uh, thoughts. All right, cool. Um, what does Liberty look like to you? Oh God. What does Liberty look like? Um, in terms of like political Liberty, uh, wherever you want to take it. I mean, in terms of the government, it would just, you know, have authority over your property and your life. I mean, I think that's about it. I would say that probably is it. I think that's different in your personal life. Uh, in your personal life, I think, yeah, it would be actually, no, yeah, it would still be control over those things. Whether or not you can actually like carry stuff out, whether or not, oh, I want a jet ski, you know, liberty is whether or not you have the right to do that, not whether or not you actually can. Like if you're dead broke, I would say you still have the liberty to. It's just, you know, you're not in that position yet. But uh, yeah. Nice. What does health look like to you? Oh God. Uh, well, this is something that I'm still trying to figure out for myself. But I would say that the main thing that I have noticed since I started taking better care of myself is just how much more energy I have and that I just feel a lot better. Like, you know, I don't feel terrible. I'm not, you know... Uh, waking up just dead tired or anything. Uh, no, I just feel better and I don't have to worry about my health and having a heart attack at 30. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to assume you're not vaccinated, so perhaps you don't have to worry about that. Correct. Uh, yeah, I don't have to worry about that myocarditis. <laughs> nice. All right, uh, Drew, where can everybody find you? Uh, well, they can find me on Twitter at Lockout Days. My account's private, so you have to do a little bit of searching, but you know you can find it if you want to do some Sherlock Holmes work. Uh, and my YouTube channel, same thing, Lockout Days. Nice. All right. Well, uh, yeah, if you don't got anything else, we'll uh, close her out, and I'll see you on the other side. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Nice, of course. All right, everybody, make sure you like, subscribe, and share. I should always put that at the beginning. I say that every single end of the show. But uh, yeah, until next time, everybody, thanks. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.